Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. If you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, or a trusted adult before continuing to tune in to my podcast episodes. So, I know there's a lot of you that have been keeping up with my episodes for a long time. And thank you to everyone who has been with me since the beginning of this journey. This has been completely life-changing, cathartic, painful, grueling, beautiful, meaningful. Truly one of the most significant things I've ever done has been this podcast. I'm crying already. Um, Because I don't think I've ever been so vulnerable anywhere. And it's amazing to have this space. Um, I know I always provide disclaimers, um, you know, for safety reasons and whatnot, but I do want to provide an additional trigger warning to this episode just because there will be trauma discussed, there will be grief discussed, death, uh, COVID-19, and so... I want to make sure that I put that out there. If that's not something that you feel emotionally prepared to listen to, please tap out now. Otherwise, um, I'd like you to join me if you feel that you're emotionally able to. Um, So again, a lot of you have been listening to me for a while, but there's also a lot of um, new listeners out there that... Um, may not fully know me. Um, And I think it's important for me to be very, very honest and very candid with my listeners because I'm not better than anyone else. And I want to make sure that you guys see me for who I am. I don't want to put on a facade. Um, and so this episode is going to be basically a summary of my life story. Um, I have talked about my childhood. I have talked about, uh, being bullied in school. I've talked about a variety of different things, but I sort of want to summarize it for you all, particularly those of you that don't fully know me yet and are sort of just listening to the episodes that resonate with you the most, which makes sense. Um, I know many of us, when we're listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos, we um, tend to gravitate toward the episodes that we find relatable. And so someone might want to listen to the episode about depression or panic attacks or um, trauma, you know, and just depends on what applies to you. And so I completely understand that. But for anyone who's new and wants sort of a condensed version of me and why I am the way that I am, this would be the episode to listen to. Um, So I was born on December 7th, 1986 in Miami, Florida to two Cuban parents. They were born in Cuba. My mother was born in Pinar del Rio. Um, and my father was born in Havana, Cuba. Um, I have never been to Cuba. And now that my father has passed, um, it just doesn't feel right to even go without him. Um, but I've never been because, you know, I grew up hearing, uh, Cuba will be free one day and we'll go when Cuba's free. And it's unfortunate that my father in his lifetime didn't get to see that happen. Um, So I was born to two Cuban parents. I grew up as an only child, even though my father has three daughters. Um, One lives in Cuba. I think she's about, I want to say 62, 63, somewhere around there. Um, I've, I've never met her. I've seen photos. I don't know what she sounds like. I don't know anything about her really, 
other than she lives in Cuba, and that was my father's first child um, that he had when he was 17. And this happens to be the child that looks the most like him out of the four of us. And then he had two daughters um, from a woman that he was married to. Um, I believe one of them is about 57, 58. And the other one is exactly 20 years older than me. So if I'm 34, then she's 54. Um, And I have met them and I do know them and I spent a little time with them. Um, Not a whole lot, but some time, enough time to sort of know uh, a little bit about them. Um, But there's a pretty big age gap between us. Um, So uh, perhaps that was a barrier of sorts. Um, And then there's me. Um, And I was born to my mother and my father. My my father got a divorce from the um, lady that he was with prior to my mom. And he married somebody else before he married my mom. My dad was just a player. He was just out there in the streets marrying people and doing all sorts of things. I don't even know. Um, anyway, um, I am my mother's only child. So I grew up here. Um, my mom was a very involved mom. So I gotta, I gotta give her that. Um, very involved. Always knew what I was learning in school. Um, always reviewed my homework with me, even though she didn't speak English. She tried to help me. She was involved in every field trip. Um, involved in every PTA meeting. I mean, she was that mom. That was all up in it. Um... She was always very open with me ever since I was young. Um, Talked to me very early on about drugs, alcohol, sex, what to expect, etc. Something that I definitely applaud her for. Um, But my mom also showcased a lot of bitterness toward me throughout her life. Uh, Misplaced. I had nothing to do with it, but of course, when you're young, you you don't really understand what's happening. Um, when you're a kid, when you're growing up as a teenager, um, it starts to make more sense when you're an adult. And so, a lot of bitterness that she showcased toward me, a lot of words, a lot of um, just difficult behaviors that she exhibited toward me um, and continues to exhibit. Love her though, um, and I I chalk that up to the unhappiness that she experienced in her relationship with my father. Um, and this is no shade against my dad, but again, I don't want to be that person that's like, well, he passed away, so now I'm going to glorify him, and you know wipe him clean of all his errors. That's not how it works. I'm going to talk about it as accurately as I possibly can. Growing up, I was a daddy's girl. I wanted nothing to do with my mom. He was my best friend. He put me on to all sorts of amazing music. Um, It's been hard to listen to music since he passed from COVID complications a few weeks ago. And um, I haven't been able to bring myself to really do that. Um... He was funny and playful. He played with me. Um, he was he was my best friend growing up. He was my hero. He was my dad. He was my everything. He was the love of my life. Um, and of course, as I got older and I started to formulate opinions and develop my own personality and start to challenge him, um, things started to change. I no longer felt like he loved me the way that he did when I was a child. I felt like that was taken away. Um, And so if you listen to the episodes about my childhood, you'll learn more about my trauma history as it relates to my parents. But um, essentially, my dad had a very, very 
tumultuous childhood um, with a lot of abuse, verbal and physical. And so he never received help for that because back in the day, that just wasn't an option. It was taboo. And so a lot of those traumas came with him and were displaced on me. And it was hard. And I suffered a lot. But over the years, particularly as an adult, he improved. And I really believe that his improvement has a lot to do with the compassion I showed him and the forgiveness that I showed him. Um, My dad was a good man. He was full of trauma. He had issues with anger. He quite possibly suffered from some kind of paranoid schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. Uh, But he was a good man. He had nothing of his own. You needed something, he would give it to you. And his love language was to feed me and to um, always have all my favorite things. So I would come home and he'd be like, I have Sprite for you because Sprite is my favorite soft drinker. I have Gatorade for you because I love Gatorade. That was his love language. Oh man, I'm going to miss that. (laughs) Um, I learned a lot from my dad. My dad is a very deep, profound man. My mom is more chill. She's more uh, laid back. Oh, I guess I forgot to turn off the sound of my phone. My apologies. You guys know me. I don't edit. Just takes away from this. Um, My mom is more chill. She's more laid back. She's not trying to have like real serious talks. (laughs) It's just not her thing. Not that she's not capable of it, but she just is very just laid back. Like, why does that even bother you? Why do you care? Who cares what people think? She's just very blase. I am not that way. I am my father's daughter. Um, I know now as a 34 year old woman that my father loved me the best way that he knew how to, but I didn't know that growing up and that did a lot of damage to my psyche. Um, But like I've said, In previous episodes, I am who I am because of him and in spite of him. And he knows that wherever he is. Um, I went to school. I was always a people pleaser. I never wanted any confrontation or any trouble with anybody. Um, I was openly very depressed and vulnerable um, because of my situation at home and a lot of kids that were malicious and mean-spirited in nature exploited that and used it against me, therefore making it very difficult for me to trust people even to this day. Although I still do. I still do. I still put my trust in others. But it's always with this uh, sense of extreme anxiety that follows. So I was a victim of bullying. Pretty severe emotional bullying with physical threats. Um, When my dad passed away... I started to go through his things because my mom needed some of his things. Um, she needed, you know, her checkbook and money and things like that. So I started to go through his things. I have never gone through my father's things. I'm not a Snoopy person. Um, I've been with my boyfriend for eight years and I've looked through his phone once. And it was because he unlocked it for me and handed it to me and then he fell asleep. So I was like, hmm, let me see what's going on one time. And I found nothing exciting, so uh, it was very anticlimactic. And I admitted it to him because 
I suck at keeping secrets from him and people in general. Um, anyway, with that being said, um, I never have been one to snoop around, but of course, when my dad passed away from the COVID complications, I went through his things, um, for my mom. Remember, my mom is handicapped, so she can't move around a lot. Um, and I found, and I hadn't seen this in 20 years, I found that he kept the picture that my bully, my main bully, drew of me and my entire family and my two best friends at the time making fun of us. But it wasn't just making fun of us. It was... She was using words that my father used to use to refer to me when he was angry. She witnessed it. It's not anything I ever told her. She was here when it happened. Several times. Um, and so she she used some of those words, some of that language. Um, same with my mom toward me. She made fun of me for cutting myself because I, I must have cut myself a handful of times as a teenager that I can recall. I never did any serious damage, um, but I was very depressed and thought that that was something I could do to feel better at the time. And they were making fun of that. And so I looked at it and I considered taking a photo of it and sharing it with a couple of loved ones that had never seen the photo. Um, And I just burned it and I ripped it. I burned it and I ripped it because I'm a grown ass 34 year old woman that has accomplished a lot in her life. And I don't need to hang on to that anymore. That's a part of my past. And it's a big reason why I am who I am today. Why I am the woman that I am today. But I also don't need to carry it with me as a heavy load anymore. I accept that these children were probably suffering themselves and probably found comfort and solace in deflecting from their own suffering and focusing on mine and amplifying mine and making fun of me. So that all happened when I was in school and I was so depressed from my home life and the bullying that I just dropped out of high school. Well, actually I didn't drop out, I was withdrawn, which I didn't even know was a thing, right? I was 16 and I was withdrawn from being absent so much. And I was honest with my mom. I would just stay home, like I don't wanna go to school. And finally, We went and we spoke to the principal and he was like, look, you've been withdrawn for severe absences. You can fight to get back in or you can just stay withdrawn. And since I was already 16, I had the option of dropping out. And so I I left it that way. And I took some time to just... decompress, spent a lot of time alone, writing in my journal, reflecting, and I always knew that I wanted to help people and that I wanted to make a difference and make a change, but I always felt like, you know, my depression, my anxiety, my childhood wounds and trauma are not going to let me do this. They're not going to let me. It's too much. It's too heavy. I can't do it. I almost didn't do it, except I did. And all the people that thought that I wasn't going to make it are probably very surprised right now. Great. I love, uh, I love a little shock value. 
think it keeps things interesting. But no, truly, I, I really thought I wasn't going to make it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm overwhelmed by these emotions, by these negative emotions and feelings. I'm plagued by my trauma. I have flashbacks. I have nightmares. I, I can't do this. At 13, I knew I wanted to be a therapist before I knew what that truly meant. But I kind of lost sight of that dream and that goal when I just didn't put any effort into school. And it wasn't on purpose. It was a result of my severe depression. And I figured out that I wanted to be a therapist when I first went to therapy as well. And because I just had this natural ability of, of really seeing and hearing people. Even at an early age, I just had this natural ability of just gravitating toward people that were wounded and wanting to help and wanting to heal. I specifically remember being 14, 15, and I had already transferred schools because I left the high school I was in because of the bullying. I went to another high school and that's where I essentially dropped out. But in the other high school, there was a girl that committed suicide. And I saw all her friends in the hall just crying. And I remember, I think I approached one of them and offered her comfort. I I remember just wanting to fix it, just wanting to help them, just wanting to comfort them, just wanting to be an ear. I remember just physically feeling their pain. Spoken like a true empath. Um, And again, I've always been like that. I've always had that natural gift. I've always been very expressive um, and open. So those things were always on my side. But I was so sad and so anxious and essentially so traumatized by my life experiences that I felt paralyzed and I thought I just wasn't going to make anything happen for myself. And so I, man, when I reflect on all of this openly, I think about it and I'm like, wow, I've been through some stuff. (laughs) I don't know if that ever happens to any of you where you're just talking about what you've been through and your experiences and then you think about it and you're like, yo, I've been through some stuff. Um, so I, I got my GED. I did this high school diploma exam in the mail. Of course, now it's like online, but back then it was in the mail. I'm really showing my age here. Um, I did it. I passed it. I'm not going to lie. I had help. Um, and I applied for Miami-Dade. Um, and I had to start from like... The second, the second lowest level math class, because I've always been really bad at math. Um, I did well on the English portion, so that's good. Um, I've always been a great writer. Uh, Love spelling, love grammar, that's my thing. And so essentially, I started from the bottom. I took every class that I didn't finish in high school. um, And I took my first psychology class at 17. Um, I believe I still remember the teacher's name vaguely, but like, I remember her name started with a G. I want to say Griselle, um, or Gretel something. I don't know, but she was in Miami-Dade and she was fantastic. And she made me wake up, you know, the class just woke me up. And I was like, wow, I really like this. You know, it's it's beyond just wanting to help people. I actually like this material. I, I like what I'm learning. And I remember getting a B plus in the class and thinking to myself, man, this is great. Like, I, I didn't think I could do this anymore because I just walked around through high school just aimless and not doing any work that I didn't think I was capable of getting anything done anymore successfully. And I proved to myself that I still could. And reignited my passion 
for all things psychology and helping people. And so I went forward and I got my associates in psychology and then went over to FIU and I got my bachelor's in psychology. And then I ended up in Nova, Southeastern University, getting my master's in mental health counseling. And as of a few months ago, I officially became licensed in the entire state of Florida to practice psychotherapy. Um, And I passed my exam, my licensure exam, a year ago, which is not an easy test. And I passed it on the first try, which I feel so unbelievably happy about and just blessed because a lot of amazing therapists do not pass on their first try and it's not a reflection of their skill level it's just a very ambiguous test um so I'm a therapist licensed in the entire state helping people People are actually gaining something meaningful from our sessions. It feels amazing. The rapport that I have with my clients is unbelievable. It's it's unmatched. Um, I feel a special connection with every single one of them. It's it's beautiful. I love what I do. I could never imagine doing anything different. And I know there's more to come. Um, I missed the part about my relationships in this life story. Um, I'm going to talk about my adult relationships a little bit because my high school relationships just don't seem really relevant right now. Um, I pretty much only had three boyfriends in high school um, and my longest relationship was four months and he broke up with me because I was too depressed all the time. And you know what? That's fair. He's a kid. He didn't know how to maneuver through that and cope with that um, at the time and and that's what happened. And then um, the other boyfriend... I had ended up talking to like another girl at a party and like flirting with her and um, I broke up with him and then ended up dating another guy that stood up for me that night against him (laughs) and he was a compulsive liar. This is what I remember. Um, Again, I'm sure he was, you know, going through some mental health issues that at the time I, you know, I was 15. I didn't really understand what was going on with him. I just knew that he lied a lot about really, really simple things. Um, and also about really serious things. I, I believe he, he lied to me about the death of his father. I think his father was alive and he said his father was dead. So, um, I'm not sure what compelled him to lie, but no shade. Um, I forgot how or why the relationship ended specifically. Um, That was many years ago, but um, I wish him the best. I mean, I hope he's well. I heard that he's a really good person. I think he has a kid um, and he's a great dad and he like does some great things in the world. So you know what? That's amazing. Um, We all make mistakes and we all go through different things that shape us and, and, you know, we learn from it. We grow. Um, so those are like my high school relationships. Very, very quick and, and painless. <laughs> um, well, not painless. I definitely suffered, but painless in the sense that they were not very uh, long lasting. And then my first love, my first real, real love I met when I was 20 on MySpace. I found him on my childhood best friend's page and I was like, who's that? And she told me who it was, and I went and I added him, like a fresca and a descarada. <laughs> and we were just chit-chatting back and forth. Um, and eventually we met in person, and 
you know, there was definitely an attraction there, physical. Um, and he came to my 21st birthday party that my best friend threw me, and it was an absolutely epic party. Um, to this day, I remember it pretty well, and in true Olivia fashion, I took the man outside, and we sat on a bench, and I just kissed him. Y'all know I don't waste any kind of time. I, mm, this is why I'm not single. <laughs> I have been booed up for eight years, been in a relationship for eight years, because I am very, very forward. I don't play games. I have no time to waste. I did it with my current boyfriend. I was like, all right, so we've been seeing each other for like, what, two, three weeks? So where's this going? Because I like you. I'm interested in you. Like, I enjoy your company. Where's this going? I don't waste any kind of time. And the same with this gentleman, you know, my first love, I was like, bam, I just went in for the kiss. I just did it, you know? Um, I can't believe I did that now that I look back, but I've always been pretty bold. So I went for it and that whole relationship, if that's what we want to call it, let's call it a situationship. It was my first adult experience, so... I didn't really know how to maneuver that situation emotionally and I was really attracted to the guy physically and just really wanted his approval. I just really wanted him to like me. And so I made everything very easy for him. Um, I, I would be like, okay, I'm just going to come to your house versus being like, let's go out on a date, you know? Um, so... It was a very sexual relationship in nature, not to suggest that there weren't other, you know, topics of conversation and whatnot discussed. There were, but I ended up wanting more than he was willing to give. And again, no shade. I'm sure he had his reasons. He was probably just not that into me. Whatever it is, I'm okay with it now. At the time, of course, young woman, Alfine, always looking for you know justifications like no he really he really does like me it's just that he's not ready or it's just that you know he's traumatized by previous relationships no as a grown ass 34 year old woman I am letting everybody know ladies gentlemen non-binary you know however you identify we're all welcome here but I'm letting you know now, if somebody wants to be with you, they will be with you. Nothing will stop them. And I know that sounds very simplistic in nature. Like, okay, I've heard this before in the movie. He's just not that into you. What a cliche. It's a cliche, but there's a lot of truth in some cliches. Uh, it's a cliche that if you got nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. But there's truth to that. I mean... If you got nothing nice to say, why why are you why are you saying anything? Right? So somebody wants to be with you. Regardless of gender, sexual orientation, trauma, life experiences, they will be with you. And he did not want to be with me. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? No. Of course I thought there was at the time. Not necessarily. No, just could be an issue of compatibility. He may, maybe didn't see himself with me long-term. Maybe he saw me as more of a short-term option. I don't know. And I don't care to figure it out at this point. But at the time, I did, you know? Um, anyway, I know he's married now and he has kids. And of course, you know, let's be honest. We all stalk our exes once in a while. Okay? So, like once or twice a year. And I, I'm open about it with my boyfriend, too. Um, I'll go and I'll, you know, check his social media and see how he's doing. You know, it's a curiosity thing. It's not a, oh, I have lingering romantic feelings. Of course, I'm always going to care because there's always going to be a part of you that cares about a person that you invested in. I care and I hope that he's well and I hope that he's healthy and that he's happy and that he's successful. That's it. And of course, I get nosy and I'm like, oh, let me see what he's doing. And his kids are beautiful and... His wife is beautiful and they have a beautiful family. And so there is nothing, there's no anger here. Um, And I really mean that. There was hurt for a long time 
because I felt unwanted and things were said and whatnot, but I, I've, I've grown and I've healed and, and I understand now that whatever people do, <laughs> mind you, it doesn't always work this way with me because I am a sensitive being, but whatever people do is a reflection of where they're at in their journey and not necessarily a reflection of you or your character or your desirability or your value. So after him, I met somebody else because that went on for about four years. And then it just, boom, stopped. And then there was somebody else, and he was pretty spectacular. Um, We had a lot in common, a lot of personality traits in common. Great guy, very uh, affectionate, expressive, open, great communicator. Again, everything was there, you know? The physical was there, the emotional was there, it was all there. Um, but at some point when we started dating, probably like a month or two later, he was like, I, uh, I'm depressed. I, I live here in Miami, but my son is located, um, elsewhere. He's out of state and I'm not happy being away from him. He's with his mom somewhere and I'm going to go move to be near my kid. And I don't want to continue to get closer to you, um, because I'm leaving. And so I was like, okay. And that's how that ended. You know, we remained friends. He would visit Miami because his family was here. We would get together. We would hang out. We would have a drink. We would have dinner. Use your imagination. But we, you know, we always kept in touch and kept a friendly relationship. Um, Eventually, he did move back. And when he moved back, he reached out to me and tried to establish something of sorts, a friendship, um... And I was already in a relationship with my current partner. And so he was aware of that. And I don't think he took that very well. I don't know. I, I don't want to guess. Um, but wherever he's at, I wish him all the love and all the happiness. He's, he truly he truly is a gem. He's a great guy um, with a lot of wonderful qualities. And whatever woman ends up uh, marrying this man will be very fortunate. Um, and I truly mean that from the heart. Um, he was, he was somebody that came into my life to teach me how I deserve to be treated. And I'm thankful to him for that. And all I have in my heart for him is, is all just positive vibes and positive feelings. Um, then the other guy was a similar situation. Nice guy. Uh, great physical connection he was a little more on the quiet side Um, he ended up moving back to Nicaragua because he was from Nicaragua for like three months to do business over there and see family and he was just like I'm not doing long distance and I'm like great neither am I but as soon as he came back of course he came back looking for me and we hung out and we had drinks and at dinner but I never went anywhere I never materialized and then after that I just you know I I met somebody else and it was sort of just a thing for like eight months and it was a good experience it was good for my self-esteem he was really um he was really good about making me feel very sexy and very fierce and I needed that at the time and then came Fernando And I've been with Fernando for eight years. And Fernando and I have been through a lot together. I mean, we have an extensive history together. We have... I have been with him when he lost both his parents. He was with me when I lost my father. Um, We have been through ups and downs and just incompatibility issues um he functions one way and I function another Fernando's very uh, set in his ways Fernando is very you know this is how I feel and this is how I think and you'll be hard-pressed to change my mind because this is just the way I see things um Fernando's very loyal he is good-hearted Fernando is romantic um during special occasions 
he turns things all the way up. I mean, all the way up. He has surprised me in ways that I've never been surprised before by a man. He has done some pretty incredible things um, to surprise me. For occasions, anniversaries, birthdays, he's amazing about that. Um, Fernando's very deep. I mean, Fernando and I can sit and have these long, in-depth conversations about everything and nothing eight years later. We absolutely can do that. Um, He's very smart. He's very intelligent. Something I really admire about him. Um, Ambitious and goal-oriented, you know? Um, But our trials and errors have been primarily based around... um, differences in personality I am very I don't want anything from you I don't want anything material I just want affection and I'm very like tell me I'm pretty make me feel good hug me kiss me and he's here for that but there's limits to his affection and my affection is like limitless the way I give it and the way I need to receive it Um, so yeah, I can be super annoying in that way. And, um, he, you know, he is very blunt. He does not mince words. He says whatever he thinks at any given time of day, which I think is a great thing, but also again, a blessing and a curse, just like my kindness and my sensitivity. It's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I'm too passive and I'm not confrontational enough. Even in my own relationship with Fernando, I've had to learn how to be more assertive and be like, hey, I don't like this. I'm not happy about this, etc. So I'm very, Fernando can tell you, I've never called him a name. I've never quote unquote bitched him out. I've never been nasty to him, disrespected him, been petty toward him, nothing. Um... It's just, I'm just not built like that. And I know a lot of people say that, but I think anybody who knows me intimately is aware that I am not going to ever do anything to intentionally hurt somebody. And if I do hurt somebody's feelings, I will feel so bad and I will make sure to be as reparative and apologetic as possible. I mean, I apologize even when I don't need to, so... Um, Are me and Fernando having kids someday? I don't know. I'm leaving it in God's hands. Um, I do suffer from PCOS, which might make it a bit challenging to have children, but I'm leaving it in God's hands. If I'm meant to be somebody's mother, I will be. And that's it. Um, My focus right now is to find ways to continue to maneuver through my grief because I miss my father a lot Um, and find ways to continue to you know nurture and expand on my career goals Um, big things are happening for me that I'm really excited about and I want to continue to just hone in on that and nurture my relationships with the people around me the people in my life that add value and love and supportiveness and positivity. Um, And I really want to say how blessed I am to have a circle of people around me that have been praying for me, uplifting me, encouraging me, sending me food, sending me flowers. I mean, my house literally looked like a botanical garden. It was beautiful. I feel so unbelievably moved by the love that everyone has shown me and I know that my father would be moved as well (laughs) to this day Fernando says I don't know anyone in this entire world that has as many people that loves them as you do and every time he says that I I guess I just I never really feel like he's saying it about me even though He obviously is. But that's just really... What a blessing is that? 
to be loved by that many people. And I pray that the reason that that's even happening is because in some way I have demonstrated to all of these people my unconditional love and my support and my encouragement. One of my best friends, she's a therapist, says it's a testament to who I am to have this outpouring of love. And if it's a testament to who I am, then wow, what a blessing to have done something right. And I'm so thankful that I did not allow my sadness and my depression and my anxiety to get in the way of becoming who I was always meant to be, this person. It wasn't easy. I suffered a lot along the way. I wanted to give up a lot along the way. Sometimes I still do. But I know that I know that I know that I have already made some pretty significant changes in the lives of my clients and friends and family and boyfriend and I want to continue to do that in even bigger more significant ways and so I'm going to end this episode with I'm looking for it if I can find it it is a card that my therapist best friend wrote to me for my birthday years ago? No, 11 years ago. I'm looking for it now because it's a pretty meaningful card. Because she says some things in it that really resonate with what I've accomplished today. And so my current self is thanking my past self for getting through the hurdles and making it here. Let's see. Oh, I think I found it. I did. It was for my 23rd birthday, and I'm 34 now, so 11 years ago. She wrote, Dearest Olivia, Happy birthday, Oli. Today is a big day, boo. You have officially been alive for 23 years. What an incredible thing to say that you have literally been living in this world for 23 years as of today. Today is the 23rd anniversary. 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 Okay, my accent just came through there. Anniversary of a miracle baby. You, boo, are a miracle baby. You are a blessing to this world, Oli. You are a blessing to me. And gratitude doesn't begin to describe how appreciative I am of you and our friendship. You are wholly unique and incredibly thoughtful. Your strength, hope, and love inspire me every day. I have so much respect for who you are and who you want to become. Despite your hardships, you are still capable of demonstrating eternal love and passion. That, to me, is one of the most inspiring qualities in a person. I love you so much. I know with all of my heart and soul that you are going to feel what happiness truly feels like. I know that you will be a hero to many and that you will persevere. You are living proof that love does in fact exist. I want to thank you from the deepest bottom of my heart for the love that you bring to my life and even more to this world. You've been my best friend and my teacher. Happy birthday. And I love that card because, well, we're still best friends today and our relationship is better than ever. 
I'm very fortunate to have her. I mean, there's just nothing, there's nothing I could give her that she hasn't already given me a million times over. Um, but reading that and seeing that she felt that way about me and and seeing that she said you're going to be a hero to many and you exemplify what love is and you're going to persevere and you're going to you're going to power through at the time when i read that i was like yeah right there's just no way and yet here i am and so right now i'm feeling like wow i just lost my dad this is the most pain I have ever been in. And I've been through some stuff. This wins the contest. And I feel the same way. I feel like I'm not going to make it. And so I hope that 10, 11 years from now, I look back and I think to myself, I'm so glad that you kept fighting. I'm so glad that 34-year-old Olivia kept powering through and fighting because this world is a beautiful place. It's a painful place. It can be grueling, but it's so absolutely beautiful. And what makes it more beautiful is the fact that we're all here together, that we're all in this together. We're all having this collective experience that in and of itself should bond us all for life. We're here together. We're here for each other. It is our responsibility to not only make our own lives easier, but to help make the lives of others a little bit easier. Any way that we can. To all the people that have been listening to me for the past year, year and a half almost, that I've been doing this podcast, thank you. Thank you. And for those of you that are new, I hope you find some comfort, some meaning, some words of encouragement here. I hope you learn something from this, from my personal experiences, from my professional experiences. I hope you learn something. And I look forward to learning from all of you because I would not be here without every single one of you. I would not be me without you. There is a little bit of every single one of you in me that creates me. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.